to Totalus Rankium. This week, Valentinian Two. Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus, and this is episode 68, one away from the big six nine. It's Valentinian 2. 2. Yes. Two. You've been looking forward to this one, haven't you? Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Poor Valentinian 2. No. I doubt anyone ever looked forward to him, ever. No. I'm more excited for next week and Theodosius. Theodosius is next week. Or is it? No, it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But let's. But this is the beauty of this podcast, though. Everyone knows about Theodosius, apart from you. Who? But people don't know much about Valentinian II. No. So let's let's dig into his life, shall we? Yes, we will. Yeah. Let's dive into this. Valentinian II. He was born in 371. He was a child of the 70s. He was the second son of Valentinian, the younger brother of Gratian. His mother was Justina who, if you remember, was Magnentius's widow. You remember Magnentius oh, yeah. revolted, drunken coup? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, f- oh, yeah. Then she was obviously the widow. <laughs> yes, then she was widowed <laughs> and then married Valentinian the Elder. We don't know where Valentinian II was born, but Gaul is a good bet since he was born while his father was concentrating on the Rhine region. Was Valentinian definitely his daddy, though? As far as I'm aware, there's no suggestion... Anything otherwise was happening. Not, not Magnentius's. No, if you remember, Justina was too young to have children when Ooh, married to Magnentius. Yeah, yeah that's coming back now. Yeah. So no, there's there's no suggestion that Valentinian too is not Good. his father's child. Good. Yes. At some point, his mother gave birth to a sister named Galla. She was around the same age as Valentinian too, and he also had a couple of other sisters, but we don't know what happened to them. Oh. So uh, you can make that up. As we go along. One went fishing. Yeah. But her line got caught on a rock, so she has to go back to shore, then got hit by a cart and died. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. And did that happen at this time? So it was an older sister? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and the other one, we'll find out. In a short while. Okay, right. Fair enough. As covered in Valentinian's episode... Valentinian was called to the Danube to sort out the Quadi uprising. Valentinian too and his mother went with him but stayed on this side of the Danube, while father went off to teach the Quadi a thing or two. About picking on Romans. Yes. However, as we know, Valentinian shouted himself to death. (laughs) Which is a shame. (laughs) Causing a sudden and unexpected emperor-shaped hole in the political landscape. Yeah. Yes. Now, if you remember, at this time, Gratian is technically the emperor, but not really, he's very young. And Valens, Valentinian's brother is the emperor in the east. So he's senior Uh, emperor. It was not immediately apparent that Valentinian needed to be replaced. After all, Gratian was right there, waiting to take over. Yeah. So you don't need a third emperor. However, there was obviously some power struggles going on that we're not really aware of, because the generals with Valentinian, in particular Meribordes, who I mentioned briefly last week, managed to send away all the other ambitious-looking generals, just sent them away, and then he himself sent for the young Valentinian too. Come here, boy. He sent his uncle, in fact. <gasps> oh, okay. 
Yes, the boy's uncle was sent to collect his nephew. The uncle did so, and within six days of the death of his father, Valentinian II was declared emperor on the 22nd of November, 375. So he's four years old. He is four years old. Wow. He is our youngest ever emperor. That's quite a rise, isn't it? He didn't even make his way into the army and rose rise through the ranks. He just No, he didn't. <laughs> well, unless he did. Oh, he yeah, had he four did. years. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Phil, he lay about somewhere. Yeah, come on. <laughs> what are you up to? Um, yeah, so there we go. But why did this happen? It all seems slightly unnecessary. I mean, why do we need a Valentinian too? Well, young, able to control by somebody. So someone that's kind of looking after Valentinian too. Yes, that's one suggestion. Was this a power play by Marabodis? Mm. Was he trying to control the Emperor? But it's if like... that's the case, where does he go? Because he's never really mentioned again. No. Well, maybe he just overstepped his boundary a little bit. Maybe he did. Maybe Justina was involved. So mother of Valentinian too. Maybe she was yeah. involved in the plot, trying to secure her son's future and therefore her own future. Remember, she's not Gratian's mum. True. Yeah. Yeah. So if Gratian becomes emperor and Valentinian II's left to nothing, she used to be the empress, but now she's nothing. But with Valentinian II placed in power, she's now the emperor's mother. So maybe it's something to do with her. Mm. Maybe Maribodis was just faithfully serving the Valentinians by making sure no other ambitious general tried to take the throne. Mm. So his, so Val II's dad was Gil... Was Valentinian. Valentinian. Yeah. Right, that's fine. Carry on. <laughs> just clearing I, up your... Because uh, I was getting mixed up. Cause I, I was thinking, do you want to do a quick dad? family tree? No. No. Uh, <laughs> you got this. <laughs> no, I, I got mixed up at one point. I was thinking that um, his dad was just... Dina's first husband, I think. So why do they call oh. him Valentinian? That's a stupid thing to do. No. Now it all makes sense. I just now it's listen. all clear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Valentinian to son of Valentinian. Yeah. Yeah. All makes sense. So he's now emperor and he's four, which is nice. There was some uneasiness to begin with while those involved awaited the response from Valentinian's brother and uncle. Maybe they'd overstep their bounds here. <laughs> Maybe there'd be some very upset emperors. However, before not too long, word reached them that Gratian was more than happy with this arrangement. Good. Yeah, fair enough, little brother. You can join in the fun. Yeah. Go on, grab a sword, grab a sword. No, no, band. Oh. <laughs> Our one-handed emperor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Call him Valify Fingers from now on. <laughs> what we don't know, however, is whether Gratian was actually happy with this. Yeah. The fact was he could hardly de-emperor his brother. So if he wasn't happy, he just had to lump it. It was decided that Valentinian II should rule Italy, the Danube area, and Africa. Although this was only in name. No one's expecting the four-year-old to keep the Danube in order. Oh, wise emperor, we have a food and grain shortage. What shall we do? Work out. Wise words, emperor. We do need to build the infrastructure first. Yeah, it'll be really good. <laughs> Want to build a house? Yes, sir. Building more housing for our workers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the way forward for the Romans. <laughs> it's the same as having a magic eight ball, isn't it? <laughs> yes. He'll shake his head. <laughs> <laughs> Not too hot. His eyes have rolled back. What does that mean? <laughs> it means let us fall asleep and sleep on the issue. Yeah, that's what they did. After asking him many taxing questions, it was then decided that Valentinian II should move to Milan 
with his mother and sisters. Yeah. Now, as I've said before, Milan was by now pretty much the capital of the western side of the empire. And it was decided this would be the best place for the little emperor to grow up. Aww. Get himself educated. Aww. Obviously, he needs advisors. And he soon developed two. Sounds painful. <laughs> <laughs> Number one was his mother, Justina, who found herself with more power and influence than she's ever had before. Oh dear. <laughs> yes. And number two is a man who's popped up a couple of times in the last couple of episodes, the Bishop of Milan. Oh, yeah. Ambrose. And because we have quite a bit of spare time in this episode, we're now just going to have a look at Ambrose for a little while and see why he's important yeah, during that, this time. That's a good idea. So, let's shift over to Ambrose. He was born Aurelius Ambrosius in around 340 in Trier. I just got custard. Yes, me too. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. There's a good chance that his father was the Praetorian Prefect of Gaul. So he was born into a rich and powerful family. Really? Okay. According to one myth, when he was a baby, a swarm of bees landed on his face <laughs> and then departed, <laughs> leaving a drop of honey. And this was an omen that he'd be honey-tongued. Bees don't carry honey. Yeah, and just one drop as well. That's it's, ridiculous. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Do you think they formed a bee beard? Oh, bee eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> bee tash. Yeah. And then the beekeeper came in and went, oh, bees, come on, let's be having you. And they all swarmed off. Stop misbehaving. Yeah. <laughs> Hive a mind to punish you. <laughs> yes, as ridiculous as this is, it's an omen that came up later. So let's say that definitely happened, because <laughs> obviously it did. Ambrose followed his father's career path and was sent to Rome to study the classics, literature, rhetoric, and the law. It would appear that he was a natural student and he excelled in his studies. That's good. So he was well-liked by everyone, doing a very good job. He progressed through civil life with ease, becoming the governor of a region in northern Italy in 372. This position gave him political clout and, more importantly, a headquarters in Milan. So he was in the Milan political scene. Already he has a lot of influence, that's clear. And he's, he's just almost like a silver tongue, silver spoon in his mouth sort of guy. Yeah, so he's, a, he's, he's about our age by this point, and he's already, um, he's already made it in life. What are we doing with our lives, Rob? N- nothing. I mean, we're hoping that a podcast somehow pulls us out from the drudgery of life. That's never going to happen. No. No. (laughs) Blackness around us all. It closes in. I'm afraid. Yeah, thoughts like that never... No. Never pestered Ambrose. No. No. Strolled into it. Yeah. So he was making a name for himself by this point and was a recognisable figure in the political scene. And then in 374, a year before Valentinian's shouty death, (laughs) the Bishop of Milan, Oxentius died suddenly. Oxentius was an unusual bishop of Milan, because in the very anti-Aryan pro-Nicene West, Oxentius was an Aryan. So you had an Aryan bishop of Milan in the West, which was very unusual. Mm. And his death stirred up a hornet's nest. Not bees. Not bees, no. They've gone by this point. They saw the hornets and ran. <laughs> you would. You would. Bumped into a hornet once. Remember, we were doing yes, our friend's we were garden. Doing it. Oh, it's terrifying, wasn't it? It was so slow and like the size of a hand. Yeah. It's just, I just turned around and there it was. <laughs> just looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's even worse when it started talking. Its sting was like the size of... A baby's arm holding an apple. Yes. <laughs> Just club us to death with it. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, so a bunch of them were stirred up, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> the minority Aryans in Milan wanted to see another Aryan in position of the bishop to make sure that they were not overrun by the Nicaeans. Yeah. The Nicaeans cried that it was their turn for a bishop. Tensions were running high, and as a local governor, Ambrose would have had to sort out a lot of disputes. He soon got a name for treating both sides fairly, despite his personal sympathies seem to lie with the Nicaeans. So he's like the, the Speaker of the House of Commons. Yeah, impartial. You've got to be impartial, but you look, you know, you are saying, I'm on that side, but, you know, yeah. you got to be. Yeah, yeah a bit that's like that. good. Respectful. Yes. When the meeting was called to elect a new bishop, tensions were so high that many feared that violence would erupt. Ambrose, amongst others, were asked to attend to try and keep the meeting civil. So, despite the fact that this was an internal religious matter, mm. some high-up politicians and officials invited along to try and keep the peace. The meeting started, and the debates began, and it became clear that no one was going to agree on anything. The Nicaeans and the Arians just could not come to terms, until one person in the crowd shouted, Ambrose for Bishop! Ambrose froze. <gasps> he had no desire to be a bishop whatsoever. No! <laughs> he in no way had any qualifications to become one. <laughs> Having followed a political career rather than a religious one, he'd not studied Christian law, he was not baptised, he didn't know the ins and outs of theology, he just was not in position to become a bishop whatsoever. Do you think he was a, a pagan? <laughs> well, no, he's he was Christian, but there isn't anything to suggest that he was particularly religious. Yeah, okay. Him being bishop would ruin the career that he'd set out for himself, and he was doing well on his career path. So he, he just really did not want to do this. But to his dismay, the crowd took up the call. Here was a man that both Arians and Nicaeans could both get behind, and currently, that was more important than this actually being bishop. a bishop. Thing. Yeah. Well, he's probably seeing it now as a, a political role, and that's essentially what it is. He's a, still a peacemaker. It's just he's put in that sort of position just to maintain order rather than to actually be a, a voice of God. Yes, well, it's very interesting because he wasn't a particularly strong religious voice. And he was a politician, and he got put into the bishopric. Mm. And as we'll see, this is not the usual bishopric. Ooh. Yes. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Ambrose refused the position. No. But, but no one seemed to take any notice. They'd already started buying him wound-in cards. And... <laughs> oh, bunting. Yes. <laughs> Someone's just stringing it up on the side. <laughs> a few balloons. Where, where'd you get the bunting with my face on? <laughs> we don't have cameras. <laughs> what is a camera? <laughs> Yeah. So he strongly argued against his appointment, even bringing up non-Christian things he'd done in the past. Which I love. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> including... I owned a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> including the order of torture for criminals. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I can't be a bishop. I, I, I used to torture people. Yeah, I used yeah. to do that. I have six wives. Yeah. So. And I killed five of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's no way I could be religious. <laughs> Do you think he went, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, you are the bishop. <laughs> it's too religious. <laughs> no, that's not, oh, God. Again, sire, we worship you. 
Yeah, no one was listening to him. No, okay. So in the end, he ran away. Hmm. <laughs> yes. He either, depending on the source here, found refuge in a friend's house, or he was caught and imprisoned. Or both. We're not really sure there. Either way, he wasn't doing anything for a while. <laughs> he was either hiding or imprisoned. However, before long, a letter from Gratian arrived. Now remember, Valentinian the Elder is still alive here. Yes. So's Valens. Gratian is the third least important emperor at this stage, yeah. but he is still very much an emperor. Yeah. Gratian had heard of the appointment and was very happy to learn that such a capable man had taken on the role of Bishop of Milan. Ambrose sighs when he receives this oh. news. The emperors now said, yes, this is a good idea. So he stood up and he went and got baptised. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> He was officially appointed as bishop shortly afterwards. Nice. So there we go. That's how one of the most famous bishops in Christianity became a bishop. Excellent. A politician that didn't really want to. Yes, dragged kicking and screaming <laughs> into the robes. However, Ambrose was not a man to wallow in misfortune and decided if he was going to be a bishop, then damn it, he was going to be a bishop. Ooh. Yes, he didn't mess about first thing he did was give away all his land and wealth to the poor in the city. Wow. He left some behind for his family, but gave a lot of it away. That's if we believe the sources. I'm going to say yes. There's nothing to suggest that this is a lie. Most but history book books say yes, this happened. I like the twist of he's, he lost it in a poker game. <laughs> on yeah. his way to be bishop yeah he just had a really wild night one, yeah. one last night before bishop rick yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when they found out so you've lost all your land and a few others turned up oh that's so generous sire uh, yes yes it was <laughs> yes yeah. speak a little quieter please massively <laughs> black magic yes <laughs> so he's now even more popular with the people than he was before <laughs> Brilliant. Great sacrifice right at the start. He applied his aptitude to study and started to learn more about this religion he was now leading. <laughs> so, what's the <laughs> name? This <laughs> Jesus fella. What's he about then? <laughs> and who's this God? God? Now, are they the same or are they different? And no! We've got something. him out. <laughs> Yes, it was not long before he decided that the Nicene Creed was obviously the only one true way to follow the teachings of Christ. And almost overnight, he became a hardline anti-Aryan. So it seems beforehand he was fairly even-handed, whereas now, oh no, he was Nicene all the way through. Had the Niceans had an advantage? Are they the size stronger sect? In this part of the empire, yes, definitely. Well, that'd be why then. <laughs> I feel. Ooh, the cynic in you. <laughs> it was around this time, with his popularity at an all-time high, that news comes through that the emperor was dead. <gasps> Val- went, Valentin- which one? <laughs> <laughs> There's too many at the moment. Valentinian had shouted himself to death, and new news, interestingly, Valentinian too had been made emperor. Hmm. The, who? The, the kid. Yeah. But he can barely hold a fork. Do do we need a third emperor? <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> we Fair do. Enough. Also, news comes through. Busy day for Roger this. 
<laughs> Valentinian II is coming to Milan. Ambrose was perfectly placed to become one of the most influential men in the Empire at the age of 34. That's not fair, is it? So we've caught up. We're now back with Valentinian. Yes. Valentinian, I'm just going to start calling him Valentinian rather than Valentinian yeah, too. Because yeah. the other one's dead. So he Valentinian, is... or Little Val. Oh. Let's call him Little Val. That's nice. Yeah. So Little Val arrives in Milan with his mother and sister shortly after the death of his father. Straight away there were tensions. Ambrose was the most powerful man in the most powerful city of the West. He was politically and spiritually very strong. It was obvious to all that he would become the principal advisor to the child, especially considering it was essentially Gratian, the current real emperor of the West, who had put Ambrose in place. Uh, yeah. So his, Ambrose's qualifications here is beyond question. Yeah. The tensions arose, however, because Justina, little Val's mother, was a devout Aryan. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Bring it on. Ambrose took his role seriously and worked to help the young emperor, but he had no time for the false religion that the boy's mother <laughs> was pouring into his ear. <laughs> you heathen whore from Babylon. Yeah, that kind of thing. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> Hold your tongue. <laughs> so without openly fighting, the two sides began to politically fight. Whispers in corridors and exchanged favours. When little Val was seven, news comes through that his uncle, the Emperor Valens, had suffered a catastrophic defeat against the Goths in Adrianople. Yeah. One of the biggest defeats in history. This would have sent shockwaves of panic through the Empire as it dawned on all of them that they had lost a large portion of their army and were now ruled by a teenager and a child. Little okay. Val's opinion on this is not recorded. <laughs> huh? Who? Are they the hairy ones? <laughs> They're the ones with the big clubs. <laughs> no, that's a stereotype. Through political manoeuvring that we've got very little detail on, the son of the great general Count Theodosius was called upon to sort out the Danube and settle things with the barbarians. Being half vampire will help. Yes. That's... So, again, I've been saying this for three episodes now. We'll deal with that later. <laughs> yeah. Little Val's opinion on Theodosius entering the Danube region to fight the barbarian threat is not recorded. And then, fast forward a few years here, when Little Val was 12, reports comes through that a general in Britain with a fantastic name, Magnus Maximus, had revolted. Little Val heard that his brother was going to go and sort it all out. Maybe he did have an opinion on that. Yeah. Yay! Big Brother's going to sort it out. Yeah! But then things actually start to become real for the child emperor. Because, puberty. Well, yes, he hits puberty for a start. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you say he's going north. Maybe I should follow. <laughs> Very sudden in Roman times. Fetch my sword. <laughs> It turns American. <laughs> it's part of beauty. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> yes, he gets a letter. Gets a couple. One explaining the changes that are going to go through his body. <laughs> it's more of a pamphlet than a letter. But the other one's more important. It's news that Gratian had been defeated and killed. Oh dear. Big Brother's dead. The usurper, Magnus Maximus, was demanding that little Val present himself 
in Trier. See, this is where he was ignored, wasn't he? Well, little Val is probably terrified at this prospect. This is a big, scary general's just killed his big brother. And he's been told he now needs to go up to Trier. For no reason. (laughs) So you think he didn't necessarily ignore it, just like... I put the letter away and pretend it what didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, just I'll just pop that under the pillow there, and it all will go away. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> now we don't know who was taking tactical control at this point, but someone in Little Val's court decides that a stalling tactic would be best. Mm. Currently, there was nothing stopping the usurper from rushing down into Milan and slaughtering everyone. So, best avoid that, they thought. (laughs) Don't want that. No. It was decided that, as the man with the most prestige, Ambrose himself would travel north and deal with Magnus Maximus. Sorry, I'm doing what? (laughs) (laughs) What now? (laughs) Either I think this is Ambrose just getting even more powerful himself look, it's me who has to sort this out. Or the complete opposite, and this was a, a political win for Justina. Ooh. Which I, I quite like the idea of Ambrose waking up one morning. I, I'm going where? <laughs> oh. In the meantime, while Ambrose was up north dealing with the usurper, the troops of Little Val would block up all the passages in the Alps as much as possible. Yeah. With, like, chairs and bits of bookcases. table. Bookcases. yeah. Sink. Tipped over vending machine. Oh, yes. Bits of string from like a like a, a net, but yeah. it's, not, it's not really good. And then just paper mache the holes. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> they said putting a lick of coat on it at the end. Make it blend into the scenery. Yeah. We're now secure. Excellent. Job done. Shortly after Ambrose's departure, envoys from Magnus Maximus suddenly arrive themselves. They're still demanding that Little Val goes north. The envoys were delayed as much as possible, but eventually they got angry at the lack of a sure reply and leave in a big huff. <sighs> yeah, just like that. So, Little Val, realising that this was not good, sent a second envoy up north in the hope of delaying things for a little bit longer. So they're just trying anything at the moment yeah. to stop Magnus marching south. And it works. Shortly afterwards, Ambrose returns... And the Alpine passes were finally secured. Magnus can no longer just walk into Milan. Good. And an uneasy peace starts, which we mentioned last time. Yeah. However, despite Ambrose and Justina working together to help Little Val, it did not mean the two had mended their bridges. Nope. Justina had been working on her son, and he was now more and more openly Aryan. At the age of 14, Little Val, not so little anymore, so maybe just Val, asked Ambrose for one of the churches in the city to be set aside for Aryan worship. Now, Ambrose, becoming bishop, one of the first things he did was shut down all the Aryan churches. We're having none of that heathen style of Christianity around here. Thank you very much. Ambrose was not impressed. Do you think he's pouring tears? I'm just like, miss and spilt it on the side. Like, whoa, what, 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 what are you saying? You want to what? Either people should follow the church properly, or they may as well be pagans. Or Jews. Unfortunately, despite Ambrose's many talents, religious tolerance was not one of them. Oh dear. <laughs> no, it was the Nicene way or no way, okay. according to him. So, Ambrose refuses a church, calling Justina's bluff. Interestingly, as all the scant sources we have are very pro-Ambrose, this is depicted as Justina attempting to oppress the Nicene's. 
which just seems ridiculous. Mm. Because the Aryans here are very much in the minority, and they don't even have a church. So I don't buy that this is Ambrose trying to fight against oppression no. myself. It sounds like she's trying to get her foot in the door a bit, but... Yeah, you get the impression this has nothing to do with religion whatsoever. No. This is all political power plays yeah. between the two most powerful advisors of the emperor. Yeah. So, it's Justina's move. She demands that a new basilica be built. If Ambrose would not give up an old one, then they could just build a new one. And again, Ambrose refuses. Justina's move again. She sent officials of her court to go round to the basilica she wanted and started to have it decorated with Aryan paraphernalia. Oh. Which they don't go into detail in, in the sources. So I think the bunting comes out again. Yeah. Maybe there's some of those balloons with little balls in that rattle when you move them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're nice. And desk confetti. And one of those inflatable wailing arm thingies. Oh, The yes. blow machine. A couple of those. <laughs> Definitely need a couple of those. <laughs> Definitely. Easter bunny ones, because yes. obviously yep. Aryan Easter bunny. Yeah. Yeah. And there's Santa walking past going, damn you. <laughs> yeah. Ambrose gets word of this and sent men to go and take down the paraphernalia, puncture the inflatable army Easter bunnies. Or just turn the plug off. Yeah, just turn the plug off and they just sunk really sad down. Yes. Fighting starts. Yay! Yes, there was one man in charge of the inflatable Easter bunnies and he got very angry, so they kept switching the switch on and off. <laughs> then the fuse blows and that's, just, that's what set it off. Yeah, <laughs> the fuse quite literally blew. <laughs> Everyone starts fighting. This almost turns into a full-blown riot. Justina then realises she has to do something a bit more than just trying to dress up a basilica. So she uses her political clout to get the rich counts and nobles to put pressure on Ambrose. Ambrose replied to the men that he would gladly give the emperor a basilica. Of course he would, if it was his to give. Ooh. But the basilica belonged to the poor and to God. Nice. Yes. Nice. You can start to see why Ambrose is considered so important. Yeah. Now, you've not seen Game of Thrones up to recent times, have you? No. No, but listeners... You spoil it, I'll stab you in the face with a pencil. I will not spoil it, don't worry. Thank you. But listeners will probably start to recognise the uh, storyline between Cersei and the High Sparrow here. This fight between the church and the state. Is that where she she gets her hair cut off? I'm not running anything. Because everyone keeps putting stuff on Facebook. I know about Jon Snow. And then... I'm not ruining anything. Good good boy, hold on. Yeah, I'm not. But the storyline between Cersei and the High Sparrow is based on the thousand years or so where the church and the state battled for supremacy. Nice. And this is where it all begins. Because we have a bishop here openly refusing an emperor. This has never happened before. But I guess he has so much support from people. Yes. if, If the emperor did something... Well, this is what you said earlier. He he's, doesn't seem like a bishop. He's more like a politician going yes. into cool. the position. Well, exactly. So he finds himself yeah. with a bishopric, but he's still acting like he used to. Yeah, he's, he's using it to his advantage. Yes. And, and playing the part of, look how amazing I am, look how, look how Nicene I am, but actually... Yeah, it's all about getting the power. Yeah. Yes, and this, this is the, the first step on the path of popes ruling Europe oh. for hundreds of years. Yeah, it's all very interesting, isn't it? Mm. But we're still in the middle of the power play here, and it's Justina's move yet again, so what's she going to do? Bishop. 
bishop to knight four. This is now a massive game of chess. Yes, essentially. You've got the emperor, emperors either side. You've got your, your, your queens. And, and your bishops. Your, your yeah, bishops yeah. And that's your, what's going on. Your army, your horses. Yes. So now, with a bit more um, religious authority, because she now has a an Aryan bishop from the east now in court with her that she's just sent off for. Yeah. She feels a bit more powerful. So she sends the army to surround the basilica that she wants. So she's raising arms now, isn't she? Oh, yes. This is a step up, indeed. Oh, yeah, I would argue this is an escalation. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Ambrose hears about this and heads down to the basilica. <gasps> the men stand before the basilica, and Ambrose calmly tells them that they will be excommunicated unless they let him pass. Then they will muster to each other, What does that mean? What? After Ambrose points out that that means that they're not allowed in the Christian club anymore, and they all like the Christian club. Mm. They've got their badges and their secret handshake. Yeah. So they all let him pass. Now, this seems a bit odd. Maybe they've been given no orders to stop people going in, just coming out. Who knows? Once inside, he delivers his sermon as per usual and then barricades the doors. <laughs> a stalemate ensues. He was not permitted to leave. Once he was in, he wasn't allowed to go anywhere. There you go. But the troops also realised that storming a Nicene church in a Nicene city was a bad idea. Won't go down well. No. Then some officials arrived. With word from Justina, Ambrose was declared a tyrant. Ooh. Yes, interesting. Ambrose replied, and this shows exactly how calculating he was. I love this reply. Little Valentinian may see him as a tyrant, but Magnus Maximus who he had personally stopped invading Milan, did not think he was a tyrant, and just left it at that. So he's saying here, you might think I'm a tyrant, but the massive general that only I managed to stop doesn't think that, and actually quite likes me. It's a, it's a not too subtle hint that perhaps Ambrose might support Magnus, unless Justina's careful here. That's nice. Yes. I like that. Yeah. The next day, the troops were gone. <laughs> Run away! Ambrose had taken on an emperor and won. Justina's not happy here. There were reports that she attempted to have Ambrose assassinated, Aww. but they failed. <laughs> he just glared at the arrow flying through the air and it dropped to the ground a flame. Yes. <laughs> now, all this infighting in Milan was seriously weakening an already weak boy emperor. By now, Magnus was essentially recognised as co-emperor. Now, as I just said, Magnus Maximus was Nicene, so was Theodosius. Yeah. And the two of them realised that Ambrose could bring down Valentinian if he now wanted to. So, this is when, and I mentioned this last week, that the two of them attempt to court the bishop. <laughs> now, maybe this is a bit more obvious this week, why the two of them are trying to get Ambrose on side. Yeah. Because now it's more obvious how powerful Ambrose is. If he says the word, Milan would go to Magnus yeah. or Theodosius. Interestingly, though, he doesn't. Hmm. Imagine the letters that came through. Hey, Ambrose, just want to say how great you look today. <laughs> yes. Eventually, Little Val knew that the war was coming and that Magnus Maximus was going to come south at some point. So he once again asked Ambrose to go north and talk to Magnus. <laughs> See if you can talk him out of this. Ambrose goes up north and reproached Magnus for his usurpation. Now, it should be stated here that we get this all from very pro-Ambrose sources. Yeah. 
if not some of it, from Ambrose himself, some letters he wrote. Excellent. So for all we know, he just went up there to give a tacit nod of approval to the upcoming invasion. Nice. <laughs> now, again, I've not seen this in any history books, but no. I couldn't see anything that strongly suggests that that wouldn't have happened. Maybe this is my own slightly cynical view of Ambrose coming through, though. But whatever was said up there, the meeting did not go well. Magnus is still angry with Ambrose for stalling him before. Yeah. And refused to hand over Gratian's remains. Remember last yes. week? Yeah, Valentinian wanted them back. Because they were years old as well, Yes, they? they were. Ugh. Hopefully bones by this point. Hopefully. Not in between. <laughs> Ooh, gooey. Yes. <laughs> Can I have Gratian back? Um, I've got a ladle. (laughs) Waterproof sack? (laughs) And they're negotiating how much Gratian is going to return. What percentage would you like? (laughs) Five scoops or six. (laughs) Colander? (laughs) Oh. Very much like colanders. Yes, yes, I do. Saw in the pop-up movie. It's amazing. So... So intricate and delicate and yeah, well you need amazing. it to be intricate when you're using oh. it to uh, <laughs> scoop out the bone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Ambrose returns empty-handed. Not long after, Little Val receives news that his Alpine passes had been breached, and Magnus Maximus. <laughs> that sounds Ooh. painful, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Gosh, <laughs> would have thought you'd notice. <laughs> Sat down too suddenly. Yes. Magnus would soon be in Milan, a matter of days. So Valentinian, around 16 at this point, has no option. He has to run. His mother and his sister, Galla, leave the city and head for the safety of Theodosius. Ambrose, probably smiling slightly, just watches them leave. He's like the puppet master, isn't he, at the moment? He is. (laughs) He said. Yeah. So... Let's follow Valentinian, because, believe it or not, it is his episode. I don't want to. <laughs> no, Ambrose is clearly the more interesting person here, but it's fine. He will come back into the story, don't worry. So, Valentinian meets Theodosius in Salonica in Greece. And what happens next we mainly get from Zosimus, who is no fan of Theodosius at all. Zosimus claims that Theodosius was lazy and lecherous, and did not care about the Empire. Apparently he listened to the plight of the Valentinian family without a care. However, and I quote, When Theodosius had listened to this supplication, and had observed the beauty of Galla, his eyes discovered the wound she had inflicted upon his heart. Mm. (laughs) Was the noise he made, grabbing his chest. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently, according to Zosimus, Theodosius wasn't going to do anything until he saw Galla, Valentinian's sister, I went, ooh, I like a bit of her. Ooh. Yeah, go on, I'll fight you all. <laughs> More likely, the marriage between Theodosius and Galla was just the formalisation of the alliance they were formulating. Yeah, yeah, that's more true. Theodosius then sets about forming a counterattack, and Valentinian himself did not much. What, is only 16? Yeah. Don't forget, his brother... Gratian was starting to lead troops at that age. No, yeah, yeah. true. He was he was forming Top Gun and everything. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So as we covered last week, and we'll cover more next week, Theodosius defeats Magnus and beheaded him. Ooh. Short version of that war. <laughs> Theodosius is now effectively in control of the entire empire. 
If he said the word at this point, he could easily have disposed of Valentinian. This is perhaps why the marriage had taken place, however, to guard Valentinian, and if so, it works, because Valentinian is kept on as emperor. Really? Yes. I'm guessing more of a junior emperor rather than a... Oh, very, very much so. <laughs> Especially since Theodosius had appointed by this point his own son as heir to the throne. Ah. So Valentinian's... There's really not much point to him anymore. But he's, he's still He's just emperor. being nice though, isn't he now? Theodosius is like... He's, uh, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, you get the impression that there's no reason to kill him, so let's not kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think every week when I come round and see you. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to kill Jamie. Thank you. Let's not kill him. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> However, there was some bad news at this time. Justina dies. Oh, how so? We don't know, unfortunately. We don't know exactly <gasps> when do. or how. I do. <laughs> You're about to say something that's written in my notes, aren't you? No. What's your no. theory? Same as the daughter. Oh, because um, he hasn't died yet. They went to a safari park. Yeah. Um, and they accidentally stumbled into the rhino enclosure. Oh, nasty. Um, they got tripped over, but they survived. Oh, right. Okay. They, they missed the rhino, then got, went back to the restaurant. Yeah. Had some slightly off-looking food. Yeah. But they were fine with that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, went, Dodgy Tommy. Yeah. So well. went back to Milan. Yeah. Um, and then they're walking through the street and a stray tile off the roof sliced oh. both of their heads off. Nasty. Yep. Okay, that's how that happens. You're right, that's not what I had in my notes. (laughs) I was going to say that the uh, conspiracy theorist in me wants to blame this on Ambrose. Oh! Like a big big reveal at the end of the episode where you you just see Ambrose. As the tiles come flying down, Ambrose on 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 the roof. I don't think that Ambrose would be on the roof himself. I think maybe the end shot of the episode would just be him casually mentioning something about how loose tiles are nowadays. Yeah. Whilst he's doing the funeral service. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Smiles and looks into the camera. Yeah. Fourth wall broken. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing in the sources to suggest this whatsoever, but it's never fact. stopped us before. <laughs> so I'm blaming this one on Ambrose. <laughs> so... Valentinian was then taken to Vienna. Not Vienna. 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 How do you pronounce that? It's in Gaul. It's Vienna with an E on the end. Vienna. Yeah. Um, Vienna. If, if you're listening and you're going, it's pronounced Vien, then we apologise. Actually, probably Vien. Vien? It's like a niece, isn't it? And yeah. So apparently it's not be. nice. No, no, it's not nice. It's niece. I was niece. Niece. What did I say? No, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Am I? Oh, not do I. Where am I? <laughs> anyway, they went to the place that wasn't Vienna in Gaul, but was felt very similar, <laughs> which probably confused everyone when they got there. Valentinian arrives with no mother and no Ambrose. Ambrose is still in Milan. He's lost his advisors. Ooh. He would have been forgiven for thinking that this was it. He was finally going to wield some actual real power. He's 17 by this point. His brother was leading armies by this point. But he was to be sorely disappointed. For how long? (laughs) Theodosius had appointed a Frankish general who had proved himself, under Gratian and Theodosius himself, to be the Master of Soldiers for the West. That's a great title, isn't it? Yes. Now, this meant that the general, a man named Arbogast... Good name. 
Yes, so was... Arbogast. Yeah, it is a bit. So Arbogast was in charge of all the troops in the West. <laughs> that essentially means he's in charge of the West. A bit like an emperor. A little bit like an emperor. But he was a Frank. Obviously <gasps> couldn't be an emperor. No. No. So, Valentinian, you, you just stay there in not Vienna. And... Uh, <laughs> I'll go and sort out all the actual stuff. There was no subtlety in how Arbogast conducted himself. As far as he was concerned, Theodosius had given him orders to rule the West for the boy, and he was going to do that. Arbogast appointed the officials. He placed his own men in the court, and he generally ignored Valentinian. So much so, he didn't notice how angry Valentinian was becoming. Stamping his feet, though. Oh, yes. The big showdown is about to begin. Is it that big? <laughs> Touch me, sir. <laughs> Arbogast seemed to be ruling quite well, actually. Oh, good. There's a reason Theodosius chose him. He was a very capable general and uh, a good administrator. Right. So the West is ticking along nicely, but his lack of tact for Valentinian proves to be fatal to thousands of uh, people. Oh, okay. Yes, it all goes very wrong. One day, after suffering this for a couple of years of just generally feeling underappreciated and bullied. <laughs> Valentinian waited till Arbogast was in the city and handed him a note in front of a room full of others. The note was a dismissal. Ooh. Oh, yes. Valentinian was going to take back power, and it was going to start with the removal of this horrible Frankish general. That's an incredibly polite way of doing it, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we thank you. We, we wish you well in all your future endeavours. <laughs> Do you think they were sat around the table and Valentinian was like, Could you pa- pass the note, pass the note to, to Arbogast, and it just, just went round. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, what's this? Well, Did, you think, did he laugh or get cross, do you think? Ah, we do have the source, man. <gasps> quote. Brilliant. Arbogast, having read it, replied, You neither gave me the command, nor can you deprive me of it. Oh. Having said this, he tore the writing to pieces, threw it down, and retired. So he just tore up his nose nice. in his face. That's like in Game of Thrones. Yes, that is like in Game of Thrones, isn't it? In the end of the first series where yes, Ned Stark... Yeah, yeah, good. Well done, yeah. yeah see? Yeah. Yeah. You know your Game of Thrones season one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Valentinian was shocked. <gasps> but more than that, he despaired. No. He felt trapped, and he realised that his life was never going to be his own. And now we're very in danger, (laughs) I feel. (laughs) He sent a letter to Theodosius asking for help. This horrible brute of a man you've put in charge never listens to me. I tried to fire him and everything. But he receives nothing back from Theodosius. (laughs) I bet Ardegast received a letter. (laughs) Yes, probably. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Just keep him happy, all right? Oh, no, I was thinking more of the lines of, uh, kill him. Oh, right, okay. He has become a nuisance to us. <laughs> well, on the 15th of May, in 392, Valentinian was found hanging in his quarters at the age of 21. I'm guessing not in some sort of fun swing. <laughs> more from the neck kind of thing. I have three options here, and that's not one of them. <laughs> oh, so four options. Four options. <laughs> I want to be out of hand. <laughs> right, option one. Murder most foul. Arbogast killed the young emperor for daring to challenge him. 
Now, this is the argument that Zosimus and Gibbon put forth. But if this is true, then Arbogast was an idiot because he had all the power he could possibly want. He's a Frankish general. There's no way he can get higher than this. No. He effectively rules half the empire. But if, if you feel slighted, that is more of a punishment. You guess, like, ah. you slight me. <sighs> Possibly. But if he wanted a better puppet emperor to boss around, he wasn't going to get one. That's true. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. So I'm guessing you don't agree with that one. Well, counter-argument to that... Because this is the modern theory that it wasn't murder. Yeah. Most historians say it's not. It's probably not murderer because Arbogast did not benefit from this. Okay. Because ultimately he really does not benefit from yeah, this. Yeah, but that's hindsight though. And most of this rests on the fact that it would be idiotic to kill him at this time. But that ignores the fact that people are quite often idiots. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And people have emotions like anger and don't think clearly. And like you say, this could very easily have been Arbogast just losing it slightly, <laughs> killing the little emperor, and then immediately regretting it. Oh, and we'll damn. see why next week. Oh. <laughs> Option two, however, suicide. Now, this is the more popular theory nowadays. That's one that rang to me. It, well, it's very easy to see how Valentinian would just be despairing of life by this yeah. point. It certainly does not seem unbelievable that he would kill himself. He's been stripped of all his advisors. He's in a city he doesn't know, and he's got someone bossing him about. And he's just tried to take back command of his own life and failed in the most humiliating way possible. I, th I think that's the thing. It's the, the, perhaps the humiliation. Yes. Also, add to this, and this is quite a nice touch, but I don't think it's necessarily realistic to believe this happened. This could be Valentinian seeing this as his only way to get revenge on Arbogast. Mm. Arbogast is there to look after Valentinian. Yeah. If Valentinian dies, then Theodosius is going to be asking lots of questions of Arbogast, such as, who do you think you are? <laughs> are you trying to usurp us? Good point. So maybe this was actually revenge. But I think this is giving Valentini a bit, a bit too much yeah. credit, to be honest. I think he was just, if it was suicide, just a very sad and depressed young man. Mm. Option three, he tripped when decorating his room with a rope. <laughs> That's my new favourite. <laughs> it's the most pathetic death I've heard. I've, I've never seen that theory anywhere, but I was desperately trying to think of another theory, and it's like, well, maybe it was an accident. Uh, my theory, theory four. Theory four. Getting to know you, Swing. <laughs> yes. So, what, what are we going to go for? What's the official Totalis Rankium death? I, I think the most likely is suicide. Yeah, I have to agree with most modern historians. I think yeah. this is probably suicide. Um, but I'm certainly not ruling out option one. Like you say, Abagas could have just lost it. Yeah. So, but should we go for the side of suicide? Yeah, let's go for that. Okay, so, Valentinian committed suicide. The end. And there you go, That that's his life. <laughs> Quarter of a page. Yeah. And most of them are Ambrose. Yeah, yeah. If we didn't have Ambrose, it would have been an insanely short episode. Uh, I, th I think lack of sources hasn't helped, but also he's done nothing. We've had a lot more sources than we did during the crisis period. That's true. I mean, yes, we've lost Amianus, but we've still got Zosimus. We've still got the writings of quite a few people in this period. So, shall we rate him, shall we? Let, uh, yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> Fightius Maximus. He did not fight. Ever. Zero. 
Zero. Aprovium crazium. He never did anything crazy. Ever. Zero. Yeah, zero. Unless I'm missing something. We tried to fire... He, th- he had the balls to try and fire... Um, Arbogast. Arbogast. Uh, I don't really think you Between deserve... Us, should we give him one for even attempting that? It's Was it crazy? Because give... if you don't try and get rid of someone, you, in Roman times you kill them. Do you want to give him one for that? I'll stick on zero so he can... Let's give him one. Let's give him something. Yeah. Okay, so that is one for a Probium Crazium. Success Ultimus! <laughs> what was the point in him exactly? <laughs> I'm wondering why we've even done an episode to be honest. He was a puppet from day one. Yeah. Marabodies used him to gain some political power after the death of Valentinian the Elder. Ambrose and Justina then used him to gain power in Milan. Theodosius then used his sister for extra legitimacy, and then Arbogast used him as a puppet while he ruled. He was just passed around like an imperial sack of potatoes, doing nothing himself. <laughs> I feel, yeah, pretty much like you just said, he's, he's, he's a stepping stone for everyone. Yeah. But I feel like the people in this his story that will go on, and the only reason we've covered him is because it links into their story. Well, we've covered him because he is definitely an emperor. There's no doubt about that. Barely. He was just a puppet emperor. Yeah. And if you don't like puppet emperors, you're going to be disappointed for a while. <laughs> because believe me, Valentinian is just the first in quite a few puppet emperors before okay. the fall of the West. Oh dear. But we get to see which one of those puppet emperors that are just generally lumped together as the puppet emperors, which one was truly the most useless. Well, we can do that. We can yeah. do an episode on that. And I think Valentinian's made a good start for being an utterly useless puppet mm. emperor. I feel, cause he was so young to start with. He's he just been manipulated because he's... he's Two advisors just wanted power themselves. Yes. So I feel sorry for him. He did, he... Yeah, I feel I feel possibly more sorry for him than anyone we've ever covered. Yes. But we'll save this for Chene Caesar. Yeah. Because this is success as Ultimus, and he had none of that. Yeah, it was a zero. Zero. Image of We actually have a bust. What? Yes. How is there even time? Why do you say that? Oh, oh, yeah. Think about true. how old he was when he died and when he started. Oh, that, oh gosh, he's gonna get quite a lot of points, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's his round, but that's not this round <laughs> because we're doing image of facious. So, what do you think he looked like? I imagine sucking on a pacifier. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the bust is not him as a uh, four-year-old, but believe me, when I'm drawing the card, I'm doing a small child because we've not had one before. Big eyes, piggy nose, a big dummy. And uh, some laurel leaves. I don't think you're too far off there. That's what he looked like. Yeah, okay, so he's got eyes looking up and looking a bit... He looks very young. His chin and the kind of the double young chinless thing he's got. Yeah, I'd say he's... Not fat, just young. He's no older than, what, 15 maybe in that? He looks younger to me. He's about 12 in that. Yeah, maybe maybe even younger. He's young. Crushed, crushed nose, though, on the bust. I'm guessing this was made when he was in Milan. But I'm guessing so. Yes, so yeah. that definitely makes him younger than seventy. Yeah, it's very unblemished. And yeah. Again, all the all the statues we noticed for a while going back to the kind of the classical time. Yeah, it's um not impressive, is it? No, it's not someone I'd follow. It's like a kid in my class, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm I don't see why he even deserves one. No, no. That's a zero. Excellent. For image Ophacious. Which might be the lowest score we've ever given to an actual bust. It's just 
There's nothing just, to it. No, there's nothing to it. Next. Temple Here we go. Here's his round. He didn't do anything, but he lived. He did. <laughs> he he, he did for a, short for a time. while. <laughs> okay. Well he, well, he died at the age of what? Don't tell me. Uh, see, so how could you 20, know, sir? 21 years. Yeah. And when did he become emperor? Oh, no, okay. 375. So, 21, take away 4, 17 years. 17 years. There wow. you go. Which is impressive. Yeah. So that gives him a mightily impressive 2.13 for Tempo Completo, which just... Wow. Just based on Tempo Completo, that puts him 13th place. What? Just in Tempo Completo. There are only 12 other oh. emperors who have managed to rule longer than him. I thought it meant total points. I was like, oh, man. No, 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 harsh no, otherwise. not at all. No, he ruled slightly less than Septimius Severus oh. did. He ruled longer than Licinius, Domitian, Claudius, Valens, Nero. So he beat all of them. Yeah, so there you go. Where did Tiberius come by the way? Tiberius is fourth in tempo completer. Mm. Augustus top, Constantine, then Constantius two, and then mm. Tiberius. So there we go. Well done for that round. And but a grand that total. Gives him a grand total of. Oh, it's impressive. Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> Most of it is the tempo completer score. It is a grand total of 3.13. Oh, yeah. Which makes him the fifth worst so far. Which um, is impressive, considering he is a puppet emperor who literally did nothing. Yeah. But he still beat Jovian, Balbinus, Hostilian, and Quintilus. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. Well, I think Quintilus isn't hard, is it? I think Jovian will be spitting blood at this. Meh. Jovian, who fought through deserts. Jovian, who was starving. <laughs> Jovian, who had to fight into. for his life just to survive, thanks to Julian's messing up of the war. Mm. But and he didn't succeed. He didn't succeed. <laughs> so right. there you go. <laughs> That's the way the cookie crumbles, Jovian. Yes. Right. We haven't had a Genesis R for a long time, have we? Well, maybe today's the day. Let's find out. <laughs> I love the fact you even entertain that. <laughs> <laughs> He's so utterly useless. I mean, maybe it's first puppet emperor? That's something he could wear on his t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't deserve a Genesisar, though, does it? No, it really doesn't. He it's isn't an obvious no. stamp. Of course it's a no. That's a no for Valentinian too. <sighs> Uh, to think his father was Valentinian, Genesis our winner, and very high score. Yes. I I, I feel bad for him as well, because most of the episode was taken up with Ambrose. Yeah. And far outstripped anything. Yes, Ambrose Valtudis. outstrips most people in this period. So it'll be interesting to see what happens between him and Theodosius next episode. Ooh. Oh, yes. Uh, Yes, it's going to be an interesting one next week. Theodosius the Great. But is he? We're going to find out next week. Magnus Maximus. Yes, exactly. Right, before we go, a couple of new senators to thank. So thank you very much to Nightwind82. Nice name. (laughs) And DC Artwright. No. (laughs) 
D. Cartwright. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe it is D.C. Artwright. Who knows? <laughs> Let us know. Maybe it's D.C.A. Artwright. <laughs> no, that's not working. But thank you very much to you two for joining our Senate. We'd also like to say to all our senators, because um, we've had a few emails from people, we are getting round to making everything, but we're collating everything at the moment. We're um, currently building all the pictures uh, for the people that donated five dollars actually most people who donated five dollars should have the artwork with them that email has been sent out but okay. if you have signed up recently in the last month or so yeah um you'll receive those in the next round Brilliant. of emails uh, also for ten dollars we're currently making your coins and we'll get them sent out to you within the next few weeks and um, if you're waiting for your mug as well we've uh, worked out how to do that as well me and rob are getting together to get them all done and posted out to you very soon yes so hopefully they'll be winging their way to you in the next couple of weeks or so but thank you for supporting our podcast it's, we really appreciate it it's helped with our research so thank you very much yes it really does helps me justify spending the amount of money i do <laughs> on the books thank you very much to everyone who supports us don't forget you can follow our page on facebook you can follow us on twitter as well and don't forget you can also download us from podbean itunes and stitcher and if you can't join our Senate for any reason, which is absolutely fine, if you could spend some time to leave a review on iTunes, we would be very thankful. Yeah. Yes. Slow down a bit recently, the reviews. Yeah. We're going to read some reviews out next week. We're going to read some of the best reviews out. So leave us a review on iTunes and we will, we'll, we'll, like I said, read them out. So all that we need to say now is... He did nothing. I can't even think of an ending for the episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. this young Valentinian a letter for me let's see what we have here dear Arbogast this letter confirms my decision today that your employment with the Roman Empire is terminated effective immediately you will receive two weeks severance pay since your employment with the Roman Empire has been less than one century you will receive the severance payment once you have picked it from my code, Dead Hands. Additionally, payment for your accrued PTO will be included in your final paycheck, which you receive on our regular payday, the 32nd of Germanicus. You can expect a separate benefit status letter that will outline the status of your benefits upon termination. The letter will include information about your eligibility for Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act. We have received from you already your security swipe sword, your tent key, and the company-owned horse and eunuch at the termination meeting. You will need to keep the company informed of your contact information so we're able to provide you with the information you may need in the future, such as your W-2 form. Please, let us know if we can assist you during this difficult transitional time. Regards, Valentinian the second of his name. What the hell is this boy? You come here, don't you run away? I'll give you a damn good thrashing! And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to the last. Almost a drink disaster. <laughs> but it's fine.
I caught it. <laughs> well done. I also did a very girly scream when I almost dropped. I, I, I heard a manly roar. Yeah, I'll, I'll edit in the manly voice. Yeah. <laughs> My drink! <laughs> Lo, I have saved it. 